0: There is no doubt that allergies are a problem. We see it in our practices every day. They're an issue that we have to deal with. We have all sorts of treatments, ways to try and deal with them, but there has to be work that's consistently done, ways that we can improve our treatments. Hi, I'm Dr. Brian McDonough. Welcome to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. Today, we have a very special program. We're going to be talking about immune cells and how they may be the key to better allergy and infection therapies. And we have a special guest with us. It's Avery August, professor of microbiology and immunology in Cornell's College of Veterinary Medicine and the senior author of a paper which really looked at this issue. It was a study with mice and humans. It was published in the journal Nature Communications, and it talked about how a specific enzyme can play a crucial role in the development of cells during an immune response. So what I want to start out first of all is welcome you to the program. Dr. August, thanks for taking the time to join us.
1: Thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me on your program.
0: Tell me a little bit about your interest in this research and also its tie-in to allergies and dealing with allergies.
1: So we've been interested in trying to understand both the molecular and fundamental mechanisms of how allergies develop. We still don't really have a good understanding of that. And of course, once we understand that, then that would provide us with opportunities to be able to suggest or develop therapies that could alleviate those allergies.
0: So when you say we don't understand, what would you say, I mean, your research obviously looking at, but right now, what is our level of understanding about why these things occur, why we have these reactions?
1: So that's the thing that we have the least amount of information, the why. We understand a bit about how they work. We know that allergies is really an, an immune response against the allergen, the thing that you're allergic to, and that immune response shouldn't happen under normal circumstances, but for people who develop allergies, it does. And so when they get exposed to the allergens, the thing that they're allergic to, they have a reaction and they suffer from the symptoms. What we don't know is why people develop allergies. There are a number of theories, a number of ideas, genetics, certain genes that are involved in predisposition to allergies, perhaps one's microbial exposure, how much exposure you had as a child when you were growing up to certain allergens. And then there are other ideas about the cleanliness of where you grew up and predisposition for allergies.
0: You hear people talk about it all the time. If you keep kids too clean, you get them showered, we're using antiseptic soaps, all these things, and that's why we see more allergies. Is there any truth to that?
1: There are certainly a number of studies, and studies continue to come out, that actually have supported that idea. These are studies who look at kids who grew up on farms or kids who grew up in areas where they're more likely to be exposed to pets or other animals. And those kids generally are less likely to develop allergies compared to kids who maybe grew up in a cleaner environment. This is actually called sort of the hygiene hypothesis, which is that if you are too clean during early life when your immune system is developing, then later on in life, it doesn't quite understand when to respond and when not to respond. And so that can then predispose to developing allergies.
0: Is it a theory that's taken seriously? Is it a theory that just, it's popular because it just seems kind of interesting? What's your view on
1: that? It's definitely a serious theory to the point where workers are now trying to understand what exactly is in the exposure, what sort of microorganisms are in the exposure of kids who grew up in farms and are less likely to develop allergies, so that therapies can be developed along those lines. So there are particular bacteria or fungi that are normal, harmless or fungi, but Being exposed to those particular types of microbes change and allow our immune systems to develop in such a way that you're less likely to get allergies later on.
0: One more general question before we focus a little bit more into your work, Dr. August, and that would be the idea of peanut allergies and why we see nut allergies as more common, or at least it seems more common in
1: the past. What about theories related to that? So there are a number of ideas around those. The first one is, you know, better diagnoses, where it's likely that kids had peanut allergies, but it wasn't recognized. But there's also a genuine increase in the number and percentage of kids who have developed peanut allergies. And it's related to what we were just talking about, which is a large increase in the percentage of people who have allergies over the last 20 or 30 years tied to changes in perhaps environment as well as some of the things that we've been talking about. And actually, if you look in countries that are starting to develop industrially, becoming more likely U.S., you start to see increased prevalence of some of these allergies as well. I'm Dr.
0: Brian McDonough. You're listening to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. My special guest is Avery August, Professor of Microbiology and Immunology in Cornell's College of Veterinary Medicine. And we're looking at the idea of how immune cells could work in the body and how, at least through research that Dr. August and his partners have looked at, how a specific immune cell may actually lead to one day harnessing the cells to better treat allergies and infections. Let's talk about your work and your study, which obviously got a great deal of attention, published in the journal Nature Communications.
1: Sure. So what we were doing is we were trying to understand, given our interest in how allergies develop, what are the cells within the immune system that control that process? And so one of the cells that we started working on was a cell called a type 1 regulatory cell. It's a cell that normally exists in the body, and its role, its function, is really to suppress the immune system. That would seem counterintuitive, but if you think about it, when you have an immune response, your immune system is turned on, and you need to then turn it off. And these cells are some of the cells that turn it off. And so understanding how these cells actually work would allow us to be able to manipulate them. So if we want to turn off the immune response, such as allergic conditions, then it would allow us to be able to do that.
0: So you start with that theory. Where did you take it, and how did you proceed with the research to find what you found?
1: So we looked at those cells, and what we did is we started to study an enzyme. This enzyme is called ITK. And this enzyme is really important for turning on the function of these cells. So it turns out that these cells have to be what's called activated, have to be turned on. And when they're turned on, then they can carry out their function, which is to suppress the immune system. And so what we had discovered and we reported in that paper in Nature Communications is that this enzyme is really important for allowing these cells to be able to develop. So if these cells aren't able to develop, then one can get inflammatory conditions. Or if you have too many of these cells, then you can suppress the immune system. So understanding and identifying this critical role for this enzyme in the development of these cells provides us with an interesting opportunity to say, well, what would happen if we can manipulate that enzyme so that we can then control the function of these cells? So that's the first part of the study. And the second part of the study is we then described in more molecular and mechanistic detail how this process actually works. And it turns out that this enzyme that we discovered plays a role in these cells. is able to turn on a relay system. So you can think about the way this works as someone running a relay race where the first person passes the baton to the second person and that person passes the baton to the third person. So it carries out this pathway, eventually allowing these cells to develop and turn on the right processes so that the cells can develop and function.
0: You make it sound so simple, and yet I'm sure it's so much more complicated what you're trying to do. When you do the testing and you're testing animals and people, what are the ways you do this?
1: So we actually use, for these studies, and for most of our studies studying allergies, of course, there are many types of experiments we ethically cannot do in humans. And so we use experimental mice, animals, to be able to manipulate the immune system, which allows us to be able to study it in much more detail than we could. So our approach is generally to take mice, and we have both genetically engineered mice that allows us to be able to manipulate their immune system in normal mice, and then we can then perform studies where we actually develop allergies in the mice, and then we can study how the allergies develop. We can study what happens when we try to manipulate, for example, these cells to see if we can indeed suppress the development of allergies. And then once we understand that, then we can take that information and we then move to humans and say, can we also do it in human cells? In the case of this particular study, we first started out using mouse cells because they're easier to work with, and we can get many of them. We got a good understanding of the way these cells work, and we then did similar experiments using human cells. And what we found is that the human cells work exactly the same way. We can show that this enzyme, ITK, is really important for both the development of the human cells, these are human T cells now, that are involved in the immune response and suppressing the immune response, as well as how they actually do that, how they actually suppress the immune response. So this is very exciting because it allows us to now predict that if we are able to manipulate this pathway in humans, we might be able to manipulate these cells and, therefore, be able to suppress the allergic response.
0: And one of the neat things about your research, actually, in reading about it, you essentially altered the mice so they carried a gene that makes the TR1 cells actually glow green when they develop. Would that allowed you to track things easier as well?
1: Exactly. So that's one of the sort of the genetic tools that we use, and that's why we use mice for these studies, is because we can genetically manipulate them so that all their TR1 cells, as you indicated, turn green. And we can just look under the microscope and we see them glowing green. And we can use that as a very simple measure of asking, are they there? And that means the cells are green or they're not, and which cells are not green. We can also use that to sort of get more of these cells, isolate them, and use them for other studies.
0: You're listening to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Brian McDonough, your host, and I'm talking with Avery August. We're talking about his research at this particular point. By the way, the study was funded by the NIH, the American Association of Immunologists, and also the talent program of the Third Affiliation Hospital of the Sun Yat-sen University in China. So obviously there were a lot of people, a lot of organizations supporting this and looking at this important work.
1: We have funding for this work through the National Institutes of Health, one of the major sources of funding for this type of research in the U.S., but also the organization, American Association of Immunologists. And then we had a collaborator who actually works in China, and so his involvement was supported by that talent program.
0: When we talk about the research, you also cross over and say this may also be able to work with different types of infection and infectious process as well, right?
1: Yes. So one of the important responses to infection with flu is that you can make a really perfect immune response and clear the virus. But if you don't turn off that immune response, you can suffer from significant morbidity and mortality because now you have what's called immunopathology. You have the immune system actually destroying your own tissue. And so these cells are also really important for controlling that process. So when you have an immune response to the flu, your body is trying to clear the infection, and now you have to turn off that immune response once the infection is cleared. So understanding how these cells work allow us to be able to, again, manipulate and change how these cells function during that process. And actually, there's a classic example of this. There was a flu pandemic in 1918, and many, many people died during that pandemic for many reasons. But one of the reasons that they died was not because they couldn't clear the flu infection, but because they actually had an overabundance of the immune response. And it wasn't turned off in a way that allowed them to clear the infection and survive. So they actually died of the immune response rather than of the virus. Our
0: guest is Avery August. You're listening to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. I only have a minute or so left. Is there something I didn't ask you or an important point you'd like to lead with the physicians listening that would be of interest to them and might be helpful?
1: So one of the interesting things about our work is that there are these subcutaneous immunotherapy approaches for allergies that actually are quite successful in alleviating allergies in many people. And so it turns out that these same cell types that we've been studying and trying to understand how they function, it seems that as if these are the cell types that are involved in whether that particular therapy works. And so this idea of exposing to low amounts of allergen over time to desensitize the individual to that allergen, what we may actually be doing when we do those particular therapies is to turn on these cells so that they can then turn around and suppress the immune response to the allergen.
0: Well, Doctor, I want to thank you for joining us. You've been listening to Dr. Avery August, Professor of Microbiology and Immunology at Cornell's College of Veterinary Medicine. He's the senior paper author, and he also obviously has communicated this quite well. Again, this is very complicated information that I think he explained very well, and I appreciate your taking the time to join us.
1: Ryan, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on your program.
0: This is Dr. Brian McDonough. If you missed any or part of this discussion, you can visit reachmd.com slash primarycaretoday. You can download the podcast. You can learn more on the series. Thank you so much for listening.